Hello, listeners. Um, I'm a little bit. I'm in a little bit of a gray mood right now, just because it's kind of gray in Paris, um, and it's unclear whether it's because of natural weather patterns or it's because the city is just in despair over Novak Djokovic's uh, surprise loss to Karen Kachanov today. Um, what do you think, Mark? Well, I, I can't relate to the grayness of the weather, but, but I could feel it. You sort of felt this current of, of just sheer vexation, kind of guess the shock that Americans felt when that reality TV show star won as president a couple of years ago. So, so I understand what you feel, but I, I appreciate you bringing that up because it, it's, uh, if you don't mind guys, I, my, my voice has been a little lost, um, since Djokovic won that Wimbledon, I just haven't got it back. Uh, cause I was screaming on the streets of Paris then with you and other Parisians. But if you don't mind, I'll be the moderator today and, and, and your observation provides a perfect segue into, into my first question. So, uh, if you guys are, are okay, I'm just going to fire away. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. That's good. So, you know, it, it does seem. You know, I think it was the French rugby team that won earlier this year. And you know, other than than France's favorite son Novak Djokovic winning the Wimbledon and <laughs> and the Lacoste twins winning the French doubles, you know, the French had an off year for tennis. So, who do you think that they could adopt uh, as their own? Somebody who could pass himself off as French. Uh, for the 2019 season, at least, and uh, and hopefully maybe um, you know give themselves a, a greater probability of, of winning some of the big events. So yeah, who could the French adopt? Pass him, pass him off as French, and uh, and feel like they have a little more skin in the game. Peter, do you have any ideas? I have a few. Um, my initial thought was uh, pass because. It, he does kind of look like a crazy artist. Um, I think like Federer is the obvious choice because Switzerland is basically greater France. Um, uh, so we'll qualify, qualify this by saying the player has to be under the age of 30. Okay, under the age of 30. Um, maybe Dimitrov, because he did wear that like really really pink outfit at the Australian Open this year and he, he usually he he like pops his collar more often than not Dimitrov is like not even going to be in the top 20 at the end of the year he's had a really like he's really fallen off like yeah, that's you, don't, you don't think that starting the year outside the top 20 is a good ploy to, to uh, win a couple majors like if if Sock hadn't been so bad this year, we'd be talking about Dimitrov, like <laughs> falling. But uh, yeah. I think actually uh, Goffin would have been a good answer, but he also he's fallen a lot too. He's outside of the top twenty. So my answer is a team because he's um, French by injection. Um, <laughs> His girlfriend is uh, Kiki Mladenovic, who's uh, who's uh, French, and therefore uh, he might yeah, actually asked. have a passport one day. That probably makes him more French than Gasquet, who I don't think is particularly French by injection. So <laughs> at least not in injection. <laughs> no, no, no. He he's uh, he's French by injected. <laughs> 
Um, that's that's a tough one to follow, but um, another one might be uh, Ranich because he has like the saddest body language on court, and it's just a um, morose sort of uh, aesthetic that I'm sure the French could relate to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the French like it when things are just terrible to look at because it allows them to enter the um, mental state that Moliere entered when he was writing The Misanthrope, which is, you know, a great piece of French literature. I, 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 I think we, we've generated not only some unexpected visuals, but also some unexpected answers. I, I was expecting to hear go fast with both you guys. Uh, Dimitrov is an interesting call. He's, he's uh, I think maybe if he borrows some of Gasquet's hair dye, uh, maybe that is the missing link in his game this year. Um, I know that he was a good warm-up partner for, for Djokovic in a couple of his big tournaments. So, you know, maybe he gets a, maybe he gets a, a, a free uh, creme brulee or something after, after Djokovic wins his big tournaments. So they, it's something that I think yeah. the French consider. They, they may need your input on this as well. So I think you guys should volunteer your services. I, I also think, now that I, now that I have more time, I think that uh, Zverev actually could be a good option too. Because his hair product per capita is like through the roof. Yeah, and he is just like a bitch. So, <laughs> which is very French. Yeah, he may need some, some bitches too. So, we, you know, I get to see today's match and, 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 that, and we'll speak about that in a later question. But, I mean, uh, Stan and, and Djokovic had quite the match on Saturday. You know, maybe the winner was was destined to have nothing left in the tank. But of those three rivalries, uh, Fed Djokovic, uh, Fed Nadal, and then Djokovic Nadal, which which do you guys, which of you guys found, or which do you guys think, or which do you think has been the most interesting, at least to you, or do you think they're all equally interesting, just in different ways? Um, I think the the most classic one is the Nadal Federer. Um, and I think it's sort of like the sentimental favorite. Um, I think the most important for tennis, though, is the Nadal um, Djokovic. Um, just because uh, if Djokovic hadn't like flipped the script on that one, Nadal might have 24 Grand Slams right now. And instead, Djokovic is sort of on the way to being the greatest player ever. Yeah, I, I think um, they're all like interesting I think the, the the fan favorite is Federer and Nadal, just like Phil, just because they were the first one, and so they were the they were like the revolutionary classic rivalry, um, and also just that contrast in styles mm-hmm. is just um, it's just so beautiful. Um, whereas like Djokovic has more of a um, his game is a little more boring. Than either of those two, um, I think the I think the one that's uh, I think Nadal um, Djokovic is the one that has produced the most amazing matches. Um, just like they've probably played ten five set matches in majors by now, at least five, right? Like and. Um, 
whatever they play, they've played each other like so many times in the most important events. And that, that contrast in style is actually really interesting too, because it's just such a dogfight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like, that's a really qu- good question because I do think that Djokovic is the best player ever. And he's going to prove that over the next three years, um, and get the trophies to like, to, uh, solidify cement his status and i think federer probably has a better claim to second best player ever than nadal but nadal is like the most important one in terms of um generating the amazing tennis yeah would you say he's been the 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 biggest overachiever of the three the fact that he kind of became a, a pretty amazing grass court player uh barring injuries has has done very impressively on hard court as well. Do you think? Do you think Nadal overachieved to get to that point where he created this that clash of styles? Um, you know, the power versus finesse. However, you wanted to look at it. Do you think it took his overachieving, or do you think he just you know kind of reached? Federer allowed him to to uh, maybe step up his determination and fully reach his potential on all surfaces. I think that um, I, I do not think of Nadal as an overachiever. The, the only people I really consider overachievers are like the real one-trick ponies, like Ivo Karlovich, um, because I think there's so much that goes into tennis, and um, just at, at, at its core, how good you are is about just like your, like, like uh, it, it boils down to like your reflexes and your reaction speed, how well you read the game, and how um, pure your contact is. Mm-hmm. And Nadal is just so incredibly talented that I don't think I could ever call him an overachiever. Um, and I think what we're seeing right now is like even on the back nine of their careers, they're like Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are 37, 32, and 32 years old. <laughs> That's insane. And they're, they're the top three in the players' race now. And they're the only people who have won Grand Slams in, like, years. That's, that's, that's like... Yeah. Like, they are not as good as they used to be, and they are still just crushing because they are just, like, unbelievably talented. And I, I can't... I can't classify somebody who's so talented as an overachiever. Just like, like I, I watched YouTube videos of like young LeBron earlier this week, like 16 and 15, like LeBron at 16 and 15 years old when he was still like doing interviews about winning the state championship in, in high school. And, um, you know, it's like, this guy was focused. This guy was like a real killer from like the very beginning. And, like, he talks about working hard, and you can't dispute the fact that he's worked hard all his life. But he's also, like, like gifted in a way that few people are. And I, I, I see, like, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are three LeBrons of tennis who just happen to be playing in the same generation. Yeah, it's like, what if, like, Jordan, Magic, and LeBron were all on the same generation yeah. yeah 
good stuff there. So what's your, I guess, initial takeaway from this week? And do you think that uh, Kachanov and, and Koritz have kind of distanced himself from the, from the rest of that pack of kind of young guns? I'm, I'm going to include, even though he's a little bit older, of, um, of Goffin, Team, uh, Kyrgios, and, and, and Zverev? Or do you think it just, they're going to kind of, in pairs, maybe they're going to continue to kind of go in spurts. You'll have maybe two of those six guys hot for a couple months, and then a different pair will come in. Or do you, do you think that, you know, I'm including course but it seems like he's, he's had a pretty good fall. Uh, I think he won one of the tournaments in Asia. Uh, so I feel like he's... George he's is going to be number 11 in the world at the end of the season. Yeah. Do, do you think that those two are going to be the, of those six or seven, do you think they'll be leading the pack a year from now? Or do you think... Do you, think, do you think that, yeah, so the, the tournament itself and then of that pack, you know, where do you see that pack going in the next year? So I'm looking at the rankings right now, and there are one, uh, two, three, four, five, uh, five, five people in the top 16 who are under 23, which I think is the highest ever, and that does not include uh, Kyle Edmund, who's twenty, almost 24, and team who just turned 25. So, like, half of the top 16 are, like, 25 or younger, and the other half is, like, 30 or older. So it's just sort of, like, except for Nishikori, who's number nine in the world, like, that, that generation of players is just sort of the lost generation of tennis. That's sort of how I see it. I think the young guys are are on the rise. Like uh, I'm not sure about Sverev has proven to be like very consistent over the last year um, or last two years. Um, Chorich, I, I think he's like found himself and um, and also like sits the past Kachanov. Uh, uh, those guys, um, even Medvedev. Uh, I don't think they're going to go away. So I think, uh, yeah, I think what we're seeing is uh, the younger generation is uh, just nudging like the Dimitrov Ray and his generation sort of to the side a little bit. Um, That said, I think like, yeah, the Ray and is not fully recovered from his injury. Dimitrov, uh, he's total, he's like extremely talented. Um, and if his head is screwed on right, he's one of, he's definitely a top 10 player. Um, but yeah, they're definitely on the rise. What do you think, Peter? Um, so I think, uh, I think a few different things. So first of all, I see George is different from the others because if you remember when he he was like the eighteen year old phenom who I think was like a top twenty top thirty player at eighteen, and then he fell a little bit and we were we almost wrote him off like is Chorich like like what's the deal with Chorich, and now he's like back and like better than ever and almost a top ten player, and so I think like Chorich is almost more solid because he's had that adversity and gotten through it. And he's still younger than um, Kashinov, which you don't even, like, I didn't even, like, 
Like I think about George is older than Medvedev and Kashinov, but he's actually younger. Um, and I, I think Kashinov is the real deal too, because like he won a freaking Masters one thousand, and maybe like Sock won it last year, so it's not like it's the end all be all. But um, he had a tough draw. <laughs> I mean, he had to beat. He had to beat some good players. Uh, players. Yeah, he had, to beat Zverev. he had to beat Zverev. Um, team. Uh, yeah, team and uh, Djokovic. But I do think, like, like these guys, like Medvedev and Kashinov, got really hot at the at the end of the year. Uh, Edmund has been very inconsistent. Sitsipas has had his like hot streaks and cold streaks. These guys are still like a bit inconsistent. And I guess the thing with them is when they get hot, they've been really hot. But like like I think Torrance's sort of fall from grace and then recovery was is a lesson. And like just look at Gofan and look at Dimitrov. Like they had amazing years last year and now we're not even really talking about them because this year they're like their years weren't even close to as amazing. It's like it, it's easy to be caught up in the flavor of the moment, but like, um, I think these guys should be proud of their years, but still have like quite a bit to prove. Good stuff. Do, do you feel that? So you don't feel any one player separated himself from the pack. But that the the pack could all move forward together. You know, it, there's not a weak link in there, and and not one person who stands out above the rest. Uh, it's just kind of who's hot at the moment. I guess Verov has been the most consistent over the two years, but he hasn't stepped it up in the big tournaments. Whereas you know Kachanov, however you pronounce his name, really seemed to do very well in the last three majors of the year, and and played a ridiculously good match against Ross in the Open. So seems like at least he's he's pretty steady in that group, at least when it comes to the majors. Yeah, so, I mean, Zverev is a class above, obviously, because he'll end the year top five for two years in a row. Like, that's the that's the type of result we are debating whether any of the others can ever have, right? Like, Zverev has already made it, but in terms of, like, which one of these guys is, like, destined to be a perennial Grand Slam winner, um, honestly, I don't really know. And I would say the weak link in the pack to me is probably Kyle Edmonds, just cause he's kind of slow. Um, the, I think Sitsipas is really intriguing cause he's the youngest of them all and he beat Djokovic. I mean, I guess Kashinov did too. And George, if I'm not mistaken, but I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, they're all really good, but I can't really, like, I can't really, other than Zverev, I can't really, like, pinpoint one that I think is, like, more special than the others. And one that we're not talking about, just because he was injured for most of the season, is Haiyan Chung, who uh, has shown that he has that level in him. Yeah, he's got game. So let's talk, let's talk about comebacks. You know, I think that when we did our predictions, I think all of us did have Djokovic in the top three at the end of the year when we had our podcast right before Australia. Uh, 
and and we had some other predictions. So of, of the of the sort of legions of comebacks. I mean, like two questions. One, do you think Djokovic should get both comeback player of the year and player of the year? And aside from his comeback, whose comebacks have impressed you the most? And, and do you think that those individuals will be able to continue their comeback form or just their, their top 10 form or top 20 form? Um, I think the, I think before we talk about comeback player of the year, we should have like the award for like the opposite of comeback player of the year. <laughs> Come down. So go back. Is that the go back player of go the year? Go back player of the year. Is that the year? walk back player of the year? Yeah, Is that yeah. The go back player of the year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, does anyone come to mind? <laughs> so I have a top five. I can, I can. Um, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my my list. My five. So at number five, I have uh, Jack Sock. Because he only won eight matches. <laughs> At number four, I have Jack Sock because he dropped over a hundred ranking spots. At number four, at number three, I have Jack Sock because he just looked like a corpse on the court. At number two, I have uh, Jack Sock because he's had amazing draws and still <laughs> has been just a shell. And at number one, I have uh, Jock Sock. Jack Sock. Because is it Jock Sock or Jack Sock? Because the light beer in Nebraska is really, really, really cold. <laughs> so, so, dude, uh, he had almost dropped. I think the getting to the quarterfinals this week really saved him because now he's 105 in the world instead of he would have been. Um, like 140 in the world and would have had to play. So he'll be 105 after the, the London Masters or he'll drop more? Uh, he'll, so he has 540 points. Um, yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's dropped all his points. I think he's dropped all the points from the London Masters. Um, yeah, because these are from the ATP race that I'm looking at. Um, yeah, so he'll be 105 in the world, which uh, it's not irrecoverable. You know, like, Ivo Karlovich is 102 in the world right now. So he's, like, uh, he's not going to have to play, like, too many um, challenger events. But uh, it's going to be a, uh, a a climb back. Um, and then I guess for comeback player of the year, uh, I think Peter hit on it with Chorich about the way he, like, faced adversity. Um, let's see, who else? Uh... And then, yeah, Djokovic is also is like probably is, has to be number one though, just because he was. It was like it's the first time since I forget when I remember seeing a stat, but I forget who the the last person who did it was. That someone who was ranked below twenty in the world at some point in the season ended up as the number one ranked player in the world. Yeah. Do you give Sock any credit for resting himself so well for the Paris tournament? And maybe with a little a little <laughs> luck in those quarterfinals, hey, he might have won it all considering how tired Djokovic. Do, do you think that strategy 
was a productive strategy at all to pace himself throughout the entire year, or do you think it ultimately backfired given his uh, drop into the three digits? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, results speak for themselves. Um, it was an interesting experiment, but <laughs> at the end of the day, not a uh, not the best strategy. Here, here's a stat: Djokovic was the finalist this year in the Paris. Um, Masters, he got 600 points for that, which is more than Sox won over an entire season. <laughs> you think he's going to lose his beer sponsorship, or you think they're going to ramp it up? His doubles play. Oh yeah, his doubles play has been magnificent. Anyway, we, we've been talking about Sox for like the last like six podcasts. It's very important. We This was our year to do it. I don't think we'll have the same opportunities next year, so you know. Gather you rose, rosebuds while you may. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in the London Masters? You think you think the big three will all play? I don't. I hope Nadal doesn't. I just want him healthy for like the majors. So I'm looking up whether Nadal is going to withdraw or not. The one um, who did withdraw was uh, Del Potro. He actually has a scary injury. Um, he like fractured his patella. His like kneecap, um, and so a lot of times people like that. That's an injury where people will sometimes say uh, like six to eight weeks. But if like they discover something in the surgery, like uh, something something bad can happen, um, and it can linger. And also, if it gets worse, like if like it's uh, really bad fracture or even just like a full break that will just end his career yeah yeah um peter what are you looking forward to with the uh the london yeah i um i'm trying to figure out if nadal is going to play um gregory zetsky is predicting that nadal will um play one match and then uh, pull out. Um, How do you know what Greg Ruzetsky is? Oh, you're doing a Google search? Yeah, I was just Googling. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so let's look at the rankings. So Del Potro is not playing, and Nadal may not play. And if Nadal doesn't play, then Isner gets to be an alternate, right? And so yeah. I think, like, it would be kind of fun to just see how well Isner does, right? Yeah, Isner's, like, this year's sock, although he's, like, more consistent than sock and doesn't drink as much beer. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, it's nice to see Nishikori back. That's another one. He must be just like a little bit, must be having like a little bit of a bitter taste in his mouth seeing Kachanov win a Masters 1000 when he's been top like 10 and top 5 for the last at least 5 years and has never um, put up a result like that. Yeah. Yeah, who who are the best players currently who have never won a Masters 1000? Team, team is another. Chilich won in Cincinnati one year, I remember. 
Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, team Nishikori Anderson. Um, oh, yeah, Anderson. But he's been in three major, no, two major finals. Yeah. I mean, Nishikori's been in one major final. Yeah, and team's been in a major final. Yeah, I think that's bigger a bigger result than a Masters 1000 victory. It gets you more points. Yeah. Chorich was in a Masters 1000 final, like, in Shanghai. Or in, yeah, Shanghai. Um, yeah, Rayanich has never won a Masters 1000. He was in a Wimbledon final. Um, Goffin. Yeah, Goffin is probably the best player who has never either won a Masters 1000 or reached the major final. Yeah. Um... I guess Malfis has had like this. He's been top ten in the world quite a bit, and has never had either a uh, result like that. Same with yeah. Jessica. I mean, uh, I guess Ferrer made a major final, but and Ferrer won in Paris um, uh, one time. Okay. Yeah. Good uh, for him. To our listeners, I think Mark uh, cut off. So. That's uh, a bit of a shame. So Peter and I are just going to continue. Um, yeah, is there anything that's, um, I guess, you're looking forward to with the off? What, what are, what if? Do you have any advice you would give to certain players about how to spend their off season? Uh, um. Let me see. I'm trying to think like, like I first. I'm trying to. My first filter is like who might need advice. What would you um, say to Sparev? I would say uh, chill out. Like, part of what's gone awry over the second half of the season is your head, and like. Just, like, chill out, get your head right, and uh, practice hard. But, like, yeah, put less pressure on yourself and just do. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I would say some. I would say something along those lines. One thing that's – it's just, like, bad optics. Like, one thing that he does is uh, just, like, be a brat to refs. And that's actually one thing. Like, okay, part of tennis is – It'll probably help you with tennis to not to just like stop talking to refs like a brat, but it's also um, it turns off fans and ultimately sponsors, and you'll make less money that way. So that's just like one quick fix that you can make that will uh, improve your career. Yeah, and then um, the other one I was thinking might need like a little pep talk or a uh, is Murray. Yeah, because Murray is like the looming like force that is like, like I don't know, uh, yet to be awakened. Um, and I would say like, stop hanging out with Nick Curious. You've had enough time to recover. Like, get your get your shit together. Yeah. I would mention to him that uh, 
Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic have all had dips in play um, at around the same age but Murray currently is. And they've all come back to uh, their previous forms. Um, they've all actually reached number one in the world. Um, and so this is just a challenge. This is, this is going to, this is something that he's going to have to do to stay in the conversation with those three, because I think it's sort of, uh, crawled back or just like gone back to us talking about a big three now instead of a big four. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big challenge ahead for him and he's great enough to, uh, to to succeed um but it's definitely not a uh not a sure thing that that he will yeah and then what about uh let's 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 go down the list um other guys what would you tell uh diego schwartzman (laughs) he's 17 Uh, in the world i would tell him to do exactly what you've done every other offseason because you have kept improving somehow, some way. What about Luca Pui, who's 32 in the world? He's, 20, he's 24. He's kind of young. Yeah, like that's what I was saying. Like He he was, what, like a top 20 player last year? He would have yeah. been in that, like, he would have been in that like range of like Sitsipas through like George. Um, and you know, like, like some guys just have like a really good streak in them. And, but it's not, doesn't necessarily mean they're consistent. Uh, I would say, um, to Pui, I would say, um, I guess improve your fitness. Yeah, I think injuries have uh, kind of hurt him. Like he he was he was on the rise until he got a hip injury, and that sort of like stagnated him for the last two years. Yeah. Um, what about uh, Francis Tiafo, number forty in the world, and Taylor Fritz, forty-seven? Uh, Tiafo, I would. Um, yeah, I think with him, um, I would really like work on his second serve and, um, do, uh, do a lot of consistency drills because he, he is just like so inconsistent. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like if he were just a bit steadier, he could take a leap. Yeah. And then, uh, actually, um, I think Fritz could be like very good. Um, I, I sort of flip back and forth between which prospect I like more between Tiafo and Fritz, but, um, it might be Fritz. Uh, he, he, he sort of, uh, was off the radar last year because he had a kid 
He's 20 years old. He had a kid at 19. Or uh, he's 21. He had a kid at 20. Like, uh, he's been th he's been through a lot already. He's uh, had to mature quickly. And his, uh, his tennis looks pretty good. He's got really, really, he's got a really clean game. And he's a fighter. So, uh, yeah, I'm sort of, I'm sort of optimistic about if he can build off of this season. Um, he's the he might be the more um, promising of the two. Um, yeah, I like his instincts a lot, and I think he has weapons. My my um, my concern with him is that he doesn't seem like the most fluid mover. Yeah, that's true. And like the other young guys who, even the big ones, move like very well. Like Kashinov is like really solid. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kachinov is six six, and he moves really well. Um, he also hits the awkward ball really well. Like he'll be out of position and then hit a really good passing shot. Yeah. Um. All right, I'm trying to find more players um, for you to play coach on. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we I think we've talked about most of the interesting guys. Um, to our listeners, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Um, we enjoy doing this, so we hope you. Enjoy listening to us, and uh, yeah, until uh, until the World Tour Finals in London. Uh, have a good one.